0: Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Awesome. I've been planning this for years.
1: Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it.
0: Hey, y'all, some exciting news before we dive into this episode. The Minimalists are going to host a private podcast and live stream exclusively for our Patreon supporters. We're calling this Ask the Minimalists Anything. And the first session will take place next month. That's August 2017. Anyone who contributes $2 or more over at our Patreon page can attend this special live stream. And if you can't make the live stream itself, the live session, the live podcast, don't worry. You'll still have access to the private video and the private audio podcast after it's recorded. We hope to do this at least once a quarter, maybe more frequently for our Patreon supporters. And please note that none of the money from our Patreon campaign goes to our personal bank accounts. Rather, what we're going to do is use these funds to build our own new podcast studio and a film studio, which is going to allow us to do a bunch of really cool things like take live callers on the air, improve overall audio quality, and bring guests on the show. We're also going to hire a full-time filmmaker to create a video version of this podcast And we also want to produce a bunch of other meaningful video creations like web series, TV shows, interviews, documentaries, video essays, and more. And because we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements, Patreon really is the best way for us to fund these creative endeavors together. So let me ask you this, are you willing to help? If so, Please become a patron today. Head on over to patreon.com slash theminimalists, or you can go to our website. It's just theminimalists.com and click on the donate button at the top. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And please know that your support is greatly appreciated. Together, we will create something meaningful. Hey, let's record a podcast, Cincinnati. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and this guy right here is Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. And we are live in Cincinnati at Bogarts. You know, I've seen so many concerts here, and it's awesome to actually... uh, I was talking to Ryan before this, actually, and I said, you know, we've never played Bogarts before, and he looked at me and said, we don't play anything. So I guess we still won't be playing Bogarts tonight, but we will be answering your questions. There's a microphone up here, and if you want to, uh, to come up, ask some questions, uh, comments, concerns, smart-alecky remarks, you are welcome to do that. And it might be a little bit bright. You might want to dim that a bit for the folks up front. Uh, I would appreciate that. I'm sure they would, too. Howdy. Hey. What's your name? I'm Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Can you hear me? You can get way closer, way, way closer. Okay. It's See how close I am? Just like Hold
2: that.
0: Should I move it? You got it.
2: Okay. Okay. Hi, guys. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> so um, I just actually wanted to get up and introduce myself. I've never met you guys, so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And um, I am the community leader for the Cincinnati chapter of the Minimalist Meetup Group. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some members here tonight, and this is Heather. She runs the Dayton Group as well. Hey, um, Heather. <laughs> So, um, for those of you guys who don't know that we exist, we do, and we have local chapters. Um, We have an awesome one here. We meet on, we have a Facebook group where myself and our members post articles and content that we find to be, like, add value and interesting. And then we also have meetings once a month, and we get together, and they're really open to anybody for people to come. So, if tonight you're looking to continue the conversation or just to be a part of Uh, community around minimalism here in Cincinnati it's something that we're really looking to build and this is your official invitation to come join us so if you make a request we will accept you as a member into the group and um, our next meeting is in July um, and we would love to see you
3: that's awesome Kyle thanks Uh, tell them like what is a what is like a typical meetup look like like what do y'all do
2: We normally have a theme, and I'll send out, like, maybe a link to a couple articles around that theme, whether it's, like, minimal kitchens and minimalist groceries, something like that. (laughs) Or, um, you know, and then we'll have a a conversation around that. But more than anything, it's kind of just getting to know each other and a forum for asking questions. Um, Sometimes it can be hard in our daily lives to find support for minimalism. Um, with our families and friends, and so this is kind of a space for you to just um, explore it more and feel really comfortable and get to meet people who are asking the same questions. So.
0: Well, I definitely appreciate you being there. So a few years ago, um, Ryan and I went out on the road, we did a 100-city tour, and people kept coming up to us saying, hey, how do we connect with people locally? And we never had a good answer for that because you know, there'd be or 500 people in a room and that's great, but like once you leave here, then you go back and you might feel a bit disconnected. And how do I find other people who are open-minded? They may not be like-minded. They might not have the same exact interests or beliefs as you. But what we found is the people in these groups have similar values. So what we did is we left behind uh, free local meetup groups in 100 different cities. So Cincinnati's one, Dayton's one. Folks from uh, Kentucky here at all? Yeah, so we've got one in Louisville as well. And, and, and so what we tried to do is just leave something behind Ryan and I don't have any control from it. We don't want, we don't want anything from you. We just want to leave something behind so you can connect. And so you can talk about whatever you want. It's uh, in a weird way. uh, Would you, would you agree that it's a support group? I've heard that from a lot of different folks um, in, in these groups. It's different kind of support though. Like you said, quite often we have questions and it's just, it's about going and getting different people's perspectives on some of those questions. And so if you feel like you need support in any way, it, it can do with stuff and minimalism and, and decluttering, but it can do with your, your career, or it can have to do with, your, um, uh, with finances, with relationships. You can talk to people about some of these things who aren't going to judge you, but who will listen and at least provide a bit of a perspective. So thank you so much, for both of you, for being here. I'm so grateful. And if you're interested, just go to minimalist.org. That's where you find all 100 cities, by the way. Minimalist.org. Yeah, you just click on Cincinnati, Dayton, or whatever your city is. Thank you so much for being here. Hi. How are you? Outstanding. How are you? I'm good.
4: I'm so happy to be here. And I love your hair. I love both your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so mine, can you guys hear me? Okay, my name is Heather, and I am the Dayton Community Leader, so Dayton represent. Thank you, guys.
0: That is so Let me tell you why that's awesome, because Ryan and I have done five events in the last five years in Dayton, and we've just said, let's let it breathe for a year, because we always go back to Dayton every single year. It's our hometown, and we, we okay. love it there, but uh, we'll, we'll be back there uh, next year or eventually, but uh, thank you all for making the drive down. I'm grateful for that.
4: I just want to touch on the groups also. So if you live further north in Cincinnati, you're always welcome to join our Dayton group. Um, we were meeting up at a Starbucks, and we're meeting up at another place now, which we'll post. But um, we do the same kind of things. We, we just get together and we talk. It's a big kind of support group. Um, just, we talk about the challenges you have with decluttering. Um, a big topic is getting your family members on board. <laughs> um, so we're just there to support each other. It's great to get together with like-minded people, especially like this, but on a smaller scale where we can all talk and have a voice. And um, so I really urge you, if you live further north than Cincinnati, seek us out. We have the Facebook group. I also um, created The Minimalist Life on Facebook, which has like 106,000 members.
0: So wow, that's killer.
4: Every one of us love these guys. So you can join that one. And but come see us in Dayton, too. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks. Thank you, appreciate it. Howdy. Hi. What's your name?
1: I'm Allie. You're the
3: Louisville No, I'm not. <laughs>
1: I have a question. Um, so you guys have been on tour for a really long time. This is your second tour, I think, right?
0: Uh, this is our eighth tour eighth in tour. seven years.
1: You've done many tours. So my question for you is, you get a lot of these questions. And I want to know if you've gotten one in that time that has affected the way that you think about minimalism or that has affected your personal minimalism journeys that's come from the outside.
0: Yeah. All of the questions have led me to, to shape. I mean, it's one of the reasons we go out on the road right now is to listen. I mean, it's one of the most important things because it's easy for us. We, we were just backstage talking about this, actually. Uh, it's e- It'd be easy for us to like sit in our proverbial ivory tower in Montana and, and sort of bloviate on our keyboards about minimalism and that doesn't do any good, right? Like, I want to hear what people's struggles are, what their concerns are, what their questions are. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that's come up a lot lately. It has to do with privilege, and and, and that that's one that is an interesting topic to me because... I've seen both sides of the socioeconomic spectrum. You know, Growing up really poor, we'd get our electric turned off occasionally, and you know, we had food stamps, and, and my mom had, had some alcohol issues, and and so it was a very discontented household growing up. And then when I went into my 20s, I started making decent money, and then eventually became what I would consider relatively wealthy, and realized that both sides of it gave me different perspectives, and... I had a weird kind of privilege now I didn't recognize it at the time, but I had the privilege of poverty and and that was a weird thing for me because i I don't think I would have known that had I not experienced the other side of it but but I also now have a different kind of privilege as well. I sort of have a megaphone in a way like it literally almost you know I have a microphone here um that it's really about what we do with the privileges that we have. I think all of us have a certain amount of privilege, and I, there are some, some systemic privileges uh, that lead to oppression and racism, and, and those are especially insidious, and, and we need to be able to address that, especially from a, a point of privilege. But there are other types of privilege as well, and I think it's up, for, up to me and Ryan to, to use some of the privileges that we have now to contribute to the world in in, uh, in different ways. So, uh, give you an example. A few months ago, we contributed to. Uh, building an orphanage on the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, we've done a lot of things for charities and, and different places where we have the opportunity to do that, but it's not just us doing it. It's giving other people the opportunity and, and shining a light on why contribution is important. And so I, I would say there are a lot of questions that have come up that have shaped me. That one is coming up a little bit more and more, and it's one that uh, I'm thinking a lot more about, and I don't have any definitive answers, and I think that's the good thing. Like, it's, it's making me ask some questions internally.
3: Yeah, I mean, just to kind of echo what he was saying in the beginning, in 2000, so we published uh, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, like, at the end of 2011, and we went on a a tour, and we just kind of did two, three weeks here, and, you know, a few stops here, a few stops there, but, um, you know, first I remember, like, that very first city we went to in St. Petersburg. It was a very, like, apropos place to start for... You know, it's are we're, we're kind of it started for Josh uh, with his mom's stuff. And we open up the trunk, and uh, I just remember looking at like three duffel bags, uh, a garment bag, <laughs> um, just all this, all this stuff. We were, we were traveling for like a week. And I look at Josh, and I'm like, dude, we are hypocrites, man. Like, look at all this crap we're carrying with us. And, uh, you know, that, that was like the first lesson that, that we learned on tour. It was like, even though we're only going to be gone for a week or so, we had carried all of this just-in-case stuff with us. And, in fact, you know, Josh and I, we started talking about like, how, how can we get over this fear of all these just-in-case items? Because, you know, I had, we were going to Florida, so I brought a pair of swimming trunks And we were going to be down there for a week or so. So maybe, you know, I would go swimming twice. And in case one pair got dirty, I wanted to have a clean pair uh, that I, you know, so I didn't have to wash that dirty pair. And while I've got a third pair of swimming drugs, I might as well bring those too. What if I go swimming three times? And uh, after, you know, kind of talking about all these just-in-case items, we realized that, you know, anything... Not just that we brought on tour with us or uh, you know if we 're if we're going on vacation or something um, when we 're traveling, we realize that any of those things that we really feel like uh, we want to bring or even the things at home that we want to hold on to, the, like the, you know like I think about my drunk drawer, and like it, it always somehow ends up with like all these random cables I have no idea like what, what none of would hardly any of them go to. And we realized, like, yeah, if we just kind of let this stuff go, if something comes up, like if, we, if I did go to Florida and I brought only one pair of swimming trunks and somehow I went swimming and like, I don't know, I got attacked by a shark and they ripped my swimming trunks and <laughs> I was healthy enough to go swimming again, like I could probably <laughs> go replace those swimming trunks pretty easily. In fact, I could probably do it for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes. And and that is something that Josh and I have implemented um, from that very uh, that very first stop. And I'll tell you, at first, it sounds like, well, these guys are crazy. They're just going out and spending twenty dollars all the time. Um, but Josh and I, we have we have implemented that over the last six years, and we've used it maybe five times between the both of us. Now, our our theory is that. It, works 99% of the time. I mean, there's always an exception to the rule, right? But, I mean, it has worked 100% of the time for Josh and I. And we lived in, a, in the middle of nowhere, Montana. It, like, this little town called Phillipsburg, population 870, one stoplight in, like, 3,500 square miles. And even then, um, you know, if, if we absolutely needed something, like, there was a little corner store there. Um, there was still still some... Uh, we, we were able to access things pretty easily. But, yeah, I mean, that whole tour, in fact, um, with, that, with that first book that we wrote, I mean, that's really what shaped everything you see now. I mean, we, we went on the road, and um, it wasn't, you know, there were, <laughs> there were no microphones. There was no stage. There were no spotlights. I mean, we literally just went out and, and met people at coffee shops. Um, and we showed up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and no one showed up. Like, we were just sitting there. And it was it was like ten or fifteen minutes, and Josh and I are like, "Well, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> we'll just we'll go ahead and go to the next city, and uh, we'll have a cup of coffee, and yeah, we'll go." So we we're getting up to leave, and as we were leaving, like this couple walks in, and they're like, "You guys are the minimalists," <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, that's us." And they're like, "Oh yeah, sorry, we're late. We were uh, we, we were coming to see you guys." So we ended up you know we ended up hanging out with those two folks and doing a lot of listening. And this guy told us a really Awesome story about um, how he had fasted and lost weight, and you know, at the end of the day, I guess what I'm really getting at is, is that every single tour stop that we do, we are we are learning something, and uh, whether it's the TEDx talks that you've seen, or if you haven't seen those, and you know, this is the first time you're seeing us speak tonight, this is all an amalgamation of all of that touring. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's uh, we, we've been touring a lot, but I, I I freaking love it. And what I'll say too. It makes it really easy on me when I have an awesome partner. I mean, not only do I have Josh, my best friend, but um, Mariah, my, my my partner, who I live with in Missoula, Montana. She is one of the most supportive people I've I've ever had in my life. I mean, the sometimes I have to leave her for three or four weeks, and we will, you know, Skype or uh, uh, FaceTime um, on on a daily basis. And this tour, like, it's it's pretty awesome. She's actually Um, Was able to come with me. I kind of had to twist her arm a little bit. She's going to coding school right now And like she's doing it online and she has to spend about six to eight hours a day Reading and and doing this coding stuff like sometimes I look at her computer and it looks like she's hacking into the matrix or something like it's (laughs) Unbelievable, and I was I was talking to her about coming out to Ohio and she's like oh, you know I've really been you know kind of getting behind and I don't want to fall too much further behind and I'm like Oh, we'll find time come on. So uh, where are you at Mariah? Anyway, she's out there somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, long long story short, uh, ha- having a partner like that really helps. Really helps the touring go go amazingly well. Um, she sacrifices a lot, and there's it makes it a lot easier. So thanks, Mar, wherever you are out there.
5: Uh, my name's Scott. Um, that was my sister. She introduced me to you guys by forcefully dragging me here. Oh, yeah, you were the one who dragged yeah, you. Know, well, hopefully you didn't thing, hate right? it, man. <laughs> um, so I am actually uh, in grad school. I'm doing that just because I thought I wanted more money uh, for a job. And I was just kind of curious what you guys would say to yourselves when you were younger, kind of at my age, like, to try to convince yourselves that maybe you need to rethink about what makes you happy Versus the money, like how you convince yourself not to go after that high-paying job just because it's money.
3: Man, um, when I think about when I first like got a taste of like the corporate world, and uh, Josh um, showing me what you know what he was making in the corporate world, and um, I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, like maybe maybe one day I can save, you know, a million dollars. And maybe I can do that before, uh, you know, I'm 65. Maybe I could retire early like, you know, 45 or 50 if I just really, you know, work hard and, and sell a bunch of cell phones. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, that's, that was kind of like in the back of my head, this goal. Um, what I'll say, man, the problem with a goal like that is what is, that, what, what is the money going to do for you? Because like for me... That million dollars, I didn't really know what it was going to do. Retirement, like, that's really kind of w- what it was going to do. So I think about retirement, and for me, it's, you know, having, to, having, free, having free time, having more free time, doing things that I like to do, uh, travel. And when I really thought about what it took to do that, it, it's not even close to a million dollars. So, you know, the question I would be asking is, what are you going to do with that money? If you have just a blanket, a blanket number in your mind, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to like say, "Well, hundred thousand is gonna, I'm gonna buy my mom a new house, and another hundred thousand I'm gonna buy my dad a new house." And another. but if you don't, if you don't have a, a clear vision on why you want that, then you're, you're going to be chasing it for the rest of your life. You ask me what I would tell my younger self. What I would tell my younger self is. Like as soon as I even started to get that itch to climb the corporate ladder to make as much money as possible, I would tell myself, hey, Ryan, if you can't be happy now with what you have, it doesn't matter how much money you get, you're still not going to be happy. Because at the end of the day, it was never the money. It was the choices that I was making with my, my other resources, my time and my attention.
0: Um, oh. What are you going to grad- grad school for
5: uh mechanical engineering
0: okay uh, what are you passionate about
5: uh green architecture and design
0: okay <laughs> no that that's great and and so going to grad school for for that will aid your passion in some way i'm i'm hoping
5: yeah, it'll help me get a job in that field
0: okay okay well that's not uh that's not a bad thing so here's here's the way that i feel about education i think i think it's largely unnecessary these days and I think it's an antiquated system. Uh, you
6: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was the joke? That we were talking about the, the under one, underwater dog walking degree. Um, it kind of feels that way sometimes where we get we get these degrees where they don't really have a, a practical use in the real world and I think the better education is informal education uh, where we could be on the job sort of training. And so my question for you would be, are there other ways to pursue that passion without getting the education? Because that said, I'm never going to d- go to a self-taught dentist. <laughs> there, There are some some educations that are necessary right and so i'm grateful that my dentist has uh, has his degree although i couldn't tell you what school he graduated from like that I, if it, it wouldn't impress me more that he went to Yale Dental School than whatever dental school he actually went to. Uh, What I care about is sort of the bedside manner and what kind of person he is and how engaged he is. That's far more important to me than that certificate that's on the wall. It just happens to be in in some professions you you need that. And so my question for you is, what are you trying to, why are you passionate about what you're passionate about? This is something to think about really. And then are there other avenues to achieve that? Uh, without going this route of grad school. Because I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong w- with, with going this route. Um, but because you're asking the question, it tells me that maybe there is for you.
5: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks. Hello. Howdy. My name is Chasten. I'm here with my wife, Mariah. It's a pretty good name. Not a lot of girls have that name, so you're lucky to find one that did.
0: Not a lot of Chastens out there either.
5: (laughs) No, there's not. My parents gave me that name. So I'm here to ask a question. So my personality, if you were to look at it on personality assessment, Myers-Briggs would be INTJ. (laughs) Not alone, thank you.
0: Yeah, but you're an INTJ, so you wish you were alone.
5: I'm a little shaky up here, but that's beside the point. So whenever I look at something, I think, okay, do I really have an emotional tie to this, or is it something that I can part with? That's fairly easy for me. However, not everyone at my house, and it's just Mariah and myself.
0: (laughs) This is... This is spoken like a true introvert, by the way. (laughs) Everybody at my house. There's two of us.
5: So, not everyone is quite eye to eye. Um, We have been following you guys' minimalism for the past six months now, and Mariah's on board with it, but there are times to where sometimes I think I'm a little too willing to part with an object, and I realize, okay, it's a little more difficult for you. So one, what advice would you give for someone who does have a tendency to push away a little too quickly, if it was up to me, I'd get rid of everything except for the possessions on my back. But that's not realistic, and that's okay. So what advice would you give for that? And two, I have a little bit of OCD, and people tell me to, you're a little obsessed with this minimalism thing. You need to cool it. Whether or not that's true, that's yet to be decided. So if it is, do I really need to cool my jets, or is it okay to keep doing what I'm doing?
0: So let's let's unpack that a little bit for the folks who don't know what the hell an INTJ is. Uh, there's something a personality assessment test called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. If you want to... If you want to take one yourself, you can go to the minimalists.com/mBTI. Um, and there's like a quick online sort of short and attenuated version of, of that. Um, I, too, am an INTJ. and and there' three percent of you are, by the way. Um, Ryan is an ENFP. And, and so we are essentially polar opposites on the Myers-Briggs. And here's the nice thing about that: we we have different beliefs. We have different personalities. Um, I'm an introvert. He's an extrovert. Uh, one of us is on time; the other one's not. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We 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 have different religious beliefs. We voted for two different people in the last election. So, so um, <laughs> there's more than two choices, people. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, so um, because we're different, we have different beliefs, but those beliefs are different paths to get us to what our values are. We do have similar values. So, so where I'm going to ask you to start isn't your personality. Your personality helps you understand how to better interact with other people, and that's really nice. For me, I, once I realized I was an introvert, it somehow took me like 28 years to really understand like, oh, I need to be alone more than I am right now, then I was able to carve out that time for myself that I need, and that's really important, and set those expectations and those boundaries, even with, or especially with the people who are closest to you, because here's the thing, if if people around you all the time, you're going to feel drained, obviously, but If you carve out that alone time, it's so you can be your best self with those other people when they are around. So if you need 60% of your time to be alone time, well, you need a vocation that supports that. You need a lifestyle that supports that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but it's about working toward that and helping other people understand that you need that, not just for yourself, but it's also for them. So you can show up and be the best damn version of yourself. And so when you do that you'll start to uncover other things about your values. So figure out what your values are. And I think there are four types of values. The first uh, type we wrote about in our first book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. We, we call them the foundational values. Health, relationships, passion, or what you might call creativity, uh, growth and contribution. I think everyone has those basic sort of values, and how you get there with your different beliefs will be different. From there, above that, you have the, these core values. Um, and, and those are gonna look appreciably different for everyone, but these are the values that really add value to your life. So So some of mine, for example, you'll probably have a dozen, maybe two dozen core values. Some of mine might be freedom or autonomy or, um, uh, I mean, sexuality. I mean, there are these different things that we value in our our lives that you you and your partner are going to have some similar values. Comparing lists is important, but you're also going to have some different values. It's going to help you understand how to better support that person. And then on top of that, you have minor values, things that you kinda like and do add value from your, to your life but aren't necessities in your life. And above that are imaginary values. These are the things we usually spend all our time on. Things we think we're getting value from uh, like incessantly browsing Facebook or attending meeting after meeting after meeting. Um, the things we pretend are valuable in our lives, but don't add real value. And so we have to eliminate as many of those imaginary values as possible so we can focus on on the more important values. And once you do that and once you understand how your partner does that, it's less about the stuff in your life and it's about where you're working toward. And you all have to realize that the most important thing you can do is support that person. And it's hard to get there, but there are a few steps that you have to go through to support someone. Uh, The acronym we use is TARA, T-A-R-A. You have to start by tolerating someone, and then you have to work toward accepting them for who they are and accept that they're at a different point than where you are. And they may never be at the same exact point, and that's okay for that to, to be that, that way, but you have to be able to accept that first before we can get to the next step. It's a big leap to the next step that R stands for respect. You have to respect that person for who they are, not who the not, not the person you wish they were or or that you wish they would be, but you need to respect them for the person who they are and the person that they, that they aspire to be. Um, and once you get past that, the sort of, the, the highest level, the hardest level to get to is to appreciate. Appreciate that other person for who they are, warts and all, and even be thankful for, for those, those differences. Because it's those differences that keep a relationship passionate and engaged and worthwhile.
3: Yeah, I think the only thing I would say, man, is it sounds like, sounds like you guys are on the same page. I mean, the fact that she's jumping into it with you, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying earlier, if it wasn't for Mariah being so supportive, this would not be easy. It, w- it would be a lot harder. And, you know, for anyone out there who, who has a partner that is jumping on board with you uh, or supporting you, would another way to look at it, like, you got to wake up every day and say thank you to each other. And, like, you got to go out of your way every single day to show that person how much you appreciate them. I mean, every single day I ask myself, like, have I showed Mariah today like how much I do appreciate her? And the way you can do that is, is, is by supporting her. You know, I, m- with Mariah, I never, never told her she had to get rid of anything. You know, when I first, uh, we first started dating and I was over at her house and I saw in her closet, like just wall to wall clothes <laughs> and like 80 pairs of shoes and I just remember looking at that and thinking, well, if this goes any further, I've got to be willing to accept all that stuff into my house. If, if we ever move into each other, like I really have to not just accept it, but appreciate who she is. And because our values and beliefs are so in alignment, and because we are supportive uh, towards one another, we, we love each other, we, we respect one another, I was totally willing to, to bring that stuff into my life, if it if it really was necessary. Now, over the last it'll be four years in November that we've been uh, we've been together, and I don't think I don't think she knows it, but she is a minimalist at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she has over the last four years like totally. Got rid of a few pairs of shoes here, a few pairs of shoes there, and yeah, dude, like, I would have gotten rid of, and I did with the packing party, I mean, I I would have gotten rid of stuff so much faster. But at the end of the day, like, every time she was going out of her way to uh, pare down her wardrobe, not, again, not because I was, like, forcing it on her, but because she realized, like, yeah, I don't wear half of these clothes, let me figure out what I'm actually wearing. Um, the same thing with her shoes—that um, she would just start paring stuff down—and I would just be like, "Oh, that's great! I am so happy that you know you were able to do that today. How does that feel?" And you know, we talk about it. Um, and after you know four years, like now, like I said, uh, she, maybe she would call herself a minimalist at this point. Um, but it was all you know hindsight. But the fact that you know your wife is is supporting you as best as she can then, you know, you've got to support her as, as best as you can. And maybe she doesn't move as fast as, as you, but, but that's all right, man. It's hard to find that type of relationship these days.
5: Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah.
3: All right, man, before you start, this, this right now is time for the hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. Where Josh and I, we usually answer questions from social media, but that would be weird if we were on our phones. And we have you right in front of us. So here's how it works. Uh, you're gonna ask a question. Josh and I are going to do our best to give you like a short, pithy, tweetable answer. Usually we have about, oh, a week to come up with these pithy answers. And now we've got about uh, you know, five seconds. So we might ramble on a little bit. But the whole idea is, uh, it's kind of like a rap battle. Um, you guys get to decide who has the best pithy answer by your applause. <clears throat> and then the winner, um, what does the winner get?
0: Well, I might give you your pride back. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Uh,
7: my name's Jamie.
0: Hey, Jamie.
7: Uh, thanks for coming. I appreciate you guys coming. I saw the documentary uh, last summer and just got really into it and started doing some research. Haven't read the book yet, but I'm getting there.
0: Beautiful. Let's, uh, hey, uh, Jess, are you around here anywhere? If we, can, if we can give Jamie a copy of Everything That Remains so I don't feel like I'm selling him the book.
8: <laughs>
0: but by the, way, after, by the way, if you want to purchase a copy of the book, uh, they will be available in the lobby afterward. But in, in all seriousness, if you can't afford a copy and you're here tonight or you forgot your wallet or you just don't have the money, whatever it is, we'll be happy to, to give you a copy. Let us buy you a copy if you want a copy of any of our books. We're, we're happy to do that for you. And ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. You know what, Jessica uh, live tweets from the show. She, she helps us out with our social media. She does um, uh, the merchandise. She straightens Ryan's hair. Uh, and um, I, I tell you, so she, she'll do live tweeting. If any of you are, are uh, sharing any photos, tweets, quotes from tonight, you can just use the, the hashtag uh, LessIsNow. That's the name of the tour we're on right now. And you can see a bunch of other people's stuff as well using that. All right, I'll I'll let you continue with your question. Sorry about that. Yeah,
7: I'm fantastic. That's a lightning round. I hope good luck with this one. Um, So I'm a single parent of a 15-year-old son, so that's a challenge in and of itself. Um, He's minimalist because he never leaves his room. But...
0: (laughs) Actually, there's a TV show about that. It's called
7: Hoarders. (laughs) Um, When he was two years old, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So he has a chronic, life-threatening illness that he has to deal with day in and day out. In order for me able to maintain his ability to live on a day-to-day basis, I have to provide insulin, diabetes supplies, all that kind of stuff. And that either needs insurance or some kind of healthcare. So I'm fortunate to have a very good corporate job in healthcare that allows me to do that. But the conflict is if I want to minimize things and get out of the corporate kind of rat race, how does that balance with having to still provide for my son who has a life-threatening illness that if I decide, oh, God, I don't want to work in the corporate world, how can I provide? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's an important question, especially in the times that we're in right now, because by the time this episode comes out, the healthcare laws might be different for all we know, Right. And, and, and so uh, I, think, I think regardless of what the health call, care laws are and what, what the availability slash access is, which, by the way, are two completely different things, just because something is available. I was just listening to uh, a friend of ours, Colin Wright, who Ryan mentioned earlier. He has a great podcast called Let's Know Things, and he was talking about this, about just because you have, something's available to you doesn't mean you have access to it. Like, for example, Jessica just handed you that book. But if you were illiterate, like you might have availability, but you wouldn't be able to access the information inside the book. And I think the same can also be true with, with health care, right? Like, even if it's supposedly you have access to it, but it's not available, or maybe it's available, you don't have access to it, those, those things are all important. Like, even if you have great health care, but you can't get a doctor to help you, then then that healthcare doesn't do you any good. And, and so I don't have a definitive answer for you. I mean, my, um, I, here, here's my pithy answer, and then I'll try to unpack it a little bit. Um, When you don't know the answer to something, the three most powerful words are, I don't know. And and that's really why, 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 so let me unpack that. That's why Ryan and I are doing this right now. I don't have a good answer for you. And and I wish I did. And I wish I could tell you that minimalism is going to solve all of your problems, but it's not. And and Ryan and I certainly aren't that self-important. What I know is that if I were in your shoes and I was looking to get away from that, I'd have to figure out how much money it would cost to to walk away. Um, and I had to figure it out in my own life, not not just with respect to health care, which for me was I was single at the time, so it was cheaper, right? You know, I have a partner and we have a four-year-old now, so health care costs are more expensive. Um, although in Montana, they're, they're relatively inexpensive compared to some parts of the country. And, and I had to budget for that accordingly. So I had to realize, like, if I'm going to live this life, what are the things that, I'm, that are absolute necessities? And for you, health care, health coverage, health insurance is, is one of those things that has to be worked into a budget. Now, I got my lifestyle down to where I could live off of about $20,000 a year when I first walked away from the corporate world. And I, I'm not suggesting that anyone else does that. I'm saying that was what worked for me. And even now, that certainly wouldn't work for me right now. And so figuring out what that number is will allow you to identify what you're w- walking or running toward and whether or not that can provide what you need. Um, the other thing, whenever you are running t- toward that thing, I found for me, is what's important is to not make money a primary driver for doing what you're doing. Right, primary, meaning first, right? But it's gonna be part of the equation. Like Ryan and I are out on tour right now and you all paid to get in here and we're grateful you decided to to pay to get in here. Well, most of you did. We have some some friends we gave some tickets (laughs) to. But, um, but, but, in planning this, like if four or 500 people show up like they did tonight, like we can't do this at a coffee shop anymore. And, and Ryan and I can't afford on our own to rent out a theater that would cost, you know, $5,000 to rent out or something. And so in order to plan for that, we said, okay, like, I don't want to have to charge for tickets, but we're going to have to start doing it. If, if we want to be able to provide the level of quality that we still want to provide. And so money does, it is part of the equation, but it's not the primary driver for doing what I do. That's a second pithy answer.
3: You know, first I want to say like Josh and I are not against the corporate world. Um, any, I know people who have corporate jobs and they love it and they're very happy with, with what they're doing. Um, It may not be like the actual work that they're doing, but it's something that either does align with their their values and beliefs. Um, Maybe they're working at a nonprofit, so maybe it is, you know, they enjoy what they're doing. Or maybe they have, you know, the time and the freedom uh, to do things that do align with their values and beliefs. So, you know, I think often about uh, what if, like, what if, like, all our books spontaneously combust and, like, the internet blows up and... You know, like the rug is just swept up from underneath of us. and Instagram's
6: gone? It's, what do I do? Yeah,
3: no. <laughs> hashtag, what do I do? Um, <laughs> there's nowhere to put a hashtag. Uh, so, you know, I, I often think about that. Like, what would I do? Well, when I first started this whole journey, like, the idea was I'm going to be a barista. Like, I'm going to pay off as much debt as I can. I'm going to get to a point where... Uh, hopefully, I, I am you know debt free and I can make um, a, a barista salary, twenty three twenty five thousand bucks something like that and and, and live my life. Um, when I got that idea, I didn't just like we did not just quit our jobs and start a blog. That's if anyone tells you that, that's the worst advice ever. <laughs> um, you know, it took us uh, it took me about a year and a half to really to really work a plan to the point where. Um, You know, when I got laid off, it was like it was it was relief because I I had worked so hard up to that point where I was like, okay, like this I can actually handle. Um, It it took Josh a a little while too. Now, um, what is your plan? I don't know. I don't know exactly. You know what that plan would take. It it might mean. um, I just got like a couple random ideas rattling through that I'll just you know this is this is uh, just my two cents, which. Sometimes doesn't mean anything. That's why I'm here, right? Yeah, okay. I'll give it to you. Um, you, could, you, could, you could do one or two things. You could certainly look... Well, I mean, there's more than one or two things, but here are the two things I have, I'm thinking of. You could uh, go find another job that could afford you the same um, health care. Uh, maybe it pays you a little bit less, but maybe you're still able to provide the care that your son needs. Um, but that, you know, the first question, if you want to do that, the first question you got to ask yourself is, you know, what does this current job not providing you? And if it's, if there is something that is lacking, then that's certainly an option. Um, if you, if you add value to the company that you're with right now, um, I'm certain that they're going to give you a good recommendation. I'm, I'm certain that uh, uh, you seem like a very hireable guy by the way. I'm certain you would have no, thanks. <laughs> no problem finding <laughs> another job. The other thing I would say too is instead of going to find another job, you could go to your boss and set expectations on like, what you need in order to make your job work. And again, like if you're adding an extreme amount of value, they 're going to work with you. I remember um, when Josh was, uh, when we were still in the corporate world, uh, Josh was on a, on a date on, C- on Christmas Eve. And it's like 6 o'clock at night, and he's at dinner, and our boss is calling him just like repetitively, and Josh is ignoring it, Josh is ignoring it. And then finally he picks it up, he walks outside, can I help you? Yeah, man, I'm looking for those sales numbers, where are those sales numbers at? Josh is like, I don't know, I don't know where we're at, I just gave you an update like three (laughs) hours. under the Christmas tree. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just gave you an update three hours ago. Yeah, yeah, but I need numbers now. My boss wants the number. His boss wants the numbers. Where are those numbers? And Josh was like, you know, I don't have them. And what you're asking of me, it's unreasonable. It's 6 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. I'm out on a date. The stores are going to close in two hours. You'll have all that information. And I mean, just totally blew him away. Do you think they fired Josh? No. They didn't fire Josh because Josh added so much value to that company. He was able, he had a little leverage. So, uh, I mean, that's just a couple options. There are certainly more options than that. But I guess, um, and I will get to a pithy answer. (laughs) Yeah, what I'll I'll say is, you know, in the beginning of this talk where I say, you know, minimalism, uh, you know, think about a life with more. And then, you know, I talk about how uh, I'm not talking about a perfect life. I'm not even talking about an easy life, but a simple one. And I think it's too often that we get simple confused with easy. Simple is not easy. So, I, I, here, here would be my pithy answer, is that um, minimalism is not about having an easy life. It's about having a well-curated life.
7: All right. Thank you.
3: Thank
0: you.
5: Hey, guys. Howdy. Uh, My name is Ross. I'm from Kentucky, the other side of the river. Hey, Um,
3: Ross. (laughs) Thanks, guys.
5: Um,
0: You you can always tell, like, just a little bit, although people always think I'm from Kentucky, so (laughs) I just say thank you.
5: How's Um, it going? It's good. Uh, My question is, so I recently graduated
3: college. Uh, I have a good job. I'm paying down my student loans uh, and um, rapidly approaching the question, what now? And you guys have talked a lot about the five values that you guys have. And my question is, how do you, how do you find that balance between the values? Because it's really, you can see where it would be really easy to get really focused on one and neglect some of the others. And so how do you balance all those values that you have when you only have so much time and so, much, so many resources?
0: So here's my pithy answer for you. You're only as strong as your weakest value. And what I mean by that is whenever I feel discontent in my life, whenever I feel something's out of whack, out of balance, I have to look and, and, and start to question those five values in particular. But then I'll look at my other values after that. But the foundation, you, you have to look at your foundation first, make sure that's solid before you can look at the other stuff. And for me, if there's some sort of discontent, it's like, well, you know what? I haven't been focused on my health the way I should. Or, um, and, and with me, health has been a really big issue the last couple of years in particular, uh, I've had just a ton of issues. I have something called multiple chemical sensitivities, um, which makes it really hard to even breathe in certain spaces. I was up in that balcony earlier today and, like, I was about to die, um, not literally. Although last year I really did think I was dying at one point, and, uh, like, to the point where I updated my will and and uh, was making some other plans uh, if if. Uh, if I couldn't, you know, if I couldn't get through what I was getting through. So I worked really hard on improving my health. And then, of course, when you improve your health, then you're like, okay, I need to make sure that my relationships are strong, because if if I, I feel in discontent, then am I giving to the people closest to me, or am I forsaking them? Am I growing creatively, or what we might call passion, right? Am I, am I growing as an individual, right, personal growth, or what you might call meaning, or purpose, or passion? And then also, am I contributing to the greater good? Am I giving to the world around me? And so what I try to do is any activity that that I do throughout my day, I I usually hope that it it touches on more than one of those values. If you can find all five, great. Uh, writing, for me, is one that does touch on at least four of those five values. And, and so if it h- touches multiple values for you, even better. It's, it's time well spent. And then how are you going to make up for those, those, other, those other values? And so when you look at your, your daily schedule, ask yourself, what, what values does this activity serve?
3: Yeah, for me, man, it's... Um You know, he mentioned those five values earlier, like whenever I'm feeling any discontent, like I look at those five buckets. So you get if if you can imagine them being like buckets of water, uh, the least full bucket like that's as happy as I am. Um, It's always different. It's always changing. So, you know, I guess. To stay focused on your values, it, it, it is looking every single day on like where where is that emptiest bucket and sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's not so obvious. Um, but you know, w- with with this whole journey in general, like there has never been an end game. It's not like my value is you know only owning fifty things, like Colin Wright. I mean, that's great for him. He travels all the time. But I like having a kitchen table. <laughs> I like having game night, and you know, I, I have a couple couches. Like I mean, they get used a lot. Um, Josh does not have two couches. He, the game night sounds miserable to him. <laughs> Josh is alert. Josh is allergic to fun. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, uh, there there is no there is no end game, and there's never going to be you know one specific value that is going to you know make you happier. There's not going to be one specific thing that's going to fill every single bucket. Um, I guess when I think about values and beliefs, I think about priorities, and uh, if you were to ask me what my priorities were when I was you know, 25, 26 years old, I would have told you, like, well, health. If I'm not healthy, I'm not happy. But like, I was staying out till you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, running up $400 bar tabs and eating White Castle. God, I miss White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or I'd say, you know, it's my relationships. Man, those relationships, those are really important. But my mom lived like a half hour away, and I did not see her that often. Um, yeah, there's a big passion project that I want to work on, uh, I'll, but I'll, I'll start on it next week. You know, th- those those are what I would have said my priorities were. But what I realized is that, you know, I was just giving those priorities lip service. Um, I guess to give you a, a pithy answer, I would say, you know, your priorities, it's not what you say they are, it's what you do. All
5: right. Thanks, guys.
7: Hi, my name's Brian. Uh, I'm an ENFP and I suppose I'm up here mostly because I enjoy the attention.
3: Uh, <laughs> Why do you think I'm up here,
7: man? (laughs) (laughs) This is great.
3: Uh, What
7: I'd like to know is you guys, you know, you guys are out on tour all the time. You've probably done these Q&As a few times. And uh, what would you say is the question you always wish people would ask, but they never do? (laughs) You can pass the microphone back and
3: forth if you'd like. (laughs) Man, I wish I had, like, a really sexy answer for you, man. <laughs> um, no, man, you know, this is not about what I want. I do love the attention, don't get me wrong. Um, but in the same token, I really love getting on the road. I really love answering emails. I'd, I love getting out and having these conversations with folks. Um, so, you know, I don't ever sit here in the chair and think, Oh man, like I hope I get to bring up the the 2020 rule on this one, or you know, <laughs> I hope I hope I get to bring up the 9090 rule on this one. I, I don't ever feel that way. Um, God, I wish I had a sexy answer for you, but I don't. That's my pithy answer. All
7: right,
3: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, was, I was sort
0: of going. The hamster in, in my head was spinning the wheel, um, and. Uh, there's a question that is never asked. I don't know that I it, people rarely ask like about like while we're on the road or touring and and because it it is pretty monotonous sometimes and like I, we rarely get questions about like what do you do you have a pre-stage routine or or uh, because honestly most of what we do while we're on tour and thankfully we've learned a lot of lessons like we just go out now for long weekends basically so this weekend Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday we're in Indianapolis. Cincinnati, Colum- Columbus, and then Cleveland, and then we, we go back home for a couple weeks or whatever. And so we've learned lessons about that. But actually, I know the reason that why people don't ask about, like, what's your pre-stage pre routine or whatever, is because it's not about me, and it's not about Ryan. You guys aren't here to just see us. You're, you're here because this message resonates. We happen to be the messengers, and, and so... I feel grateful to be able to be that, but the only reason the spotlight's on me is because the literal spotlight is on me. And that was almost pithy. <laughs> that was like fake profound. That, uh, f- uh, we call that a faux fundity. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I know that, that we're here because we're here to share a recipe. And all I really hope is that you're able to tweeze a few ingredients out and create your own recipe for a more simple life. You don't have to call yourself a minimalist. Y- you don't have to even use the word minimalism. You know, I know that turns some people off even hearing that word. You can call it whatever you want. Call it essentialism. Call it intentionalism. Deliberatism. You don't have to call it anything at all. I didn't until we registered the domain, theminimalists.com. <laughs> um r- really Really, it was just about a way of, of regaining control. And so I think any of these questions that come up from people, you know, we see people at our events, factory workers and executives show up at the same event. Young, old, rich, poor, black, white. We have high school dropouts and college professors who are here tonight probably. And I heard one, it's like, was that the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> I've always wondered the answer to that, that old Zen Cohen. Anyway, um, what I've learned from, from all of these different people, no matter where you are on the socioeconomic spectrum, um, where you are in your life, whether it's the five year old who showed up in, in San Diego and told Ryan that you know, she was giving away her shirts, uh, or three years ago, the 93 year old who showed up also in San Diego with several generations of daughters with her. I think we're all, and she, she told me, I'm just becoming a minimalist for the first time. I think the questions we're asking, the, 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 the fundamental questions underneath the questions, have something to do with control. Like we feel like we've lost a certain amount of control in our lives. We had control at one point. Maybe it was when we graduated high school or college and everything we owned could fit into our car. And that felt free and alive. And at some point, life stopped feeling so alive. It stopped feeling so fresh. And it started feeling much more mundane or routine or monotonous. And we're living, but we're not really living, right? Living paycheck to paycheck isn't really living because we're so focused on, on just that. And don't get me wrong, money is important. We all need some money to pay the bills, but it no, it no longer has to be the only thing that, that we worry about. And, and I think what people are, are asking is, how do I regain just some of that control? and how do i live a more meaningful life and those questions manifest differently but that's why like what my morning routine is before we go on tour like it doesn't really it it doesn't really matter thanks for your question thanks a lot guys i got thank you i actually have to apologize to the rest of the line we have we have run out of time for questions we got to move on to what we call our added value segment, and don't worry, you'll, you'll get a hug afterward. We'll we'll be hanging out after, like twenty minutes after this, we'll 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 come out and uh, we'll dish out hugs to anyone who who stays after. Uh, we usually talk about what's been adding value to our lives recently, but we like to do something a little bit more local. So, Ryan, what has been adding value to your life recently?
3: You know, it's funny. Like I was thinking about what am I gonna what am I gonna say for this portion of the podcast, and I started thinking of all the awesome restaurants we have, or that you I don't live here anymore, but that you all have in Cincinnati. And I could sit here and you know tell you about uh you know an amazing steak I had at you know, Ruby's or uh the, the awesome duck at uh uh what is it, Montgomery Inn? I have been there in so long. Um but uh I'm gonna give you a recommendation that you probably haven't heard of and it is It's 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 one of my top three favorite restaurants in the world. I would actually say Uh, there's a place in Dayton, Ohio called Thai Nine. (laughs) It is out of this world. Like uh, Josh and I, we joke around uh, that when we're on a tour, we're on like you know we're on the on on a book tour, but we're also on uh, the Thai food tour. I have eaten at so many Thai food places. It's crazy. All across the world, and I'm telling you, Thai nine has the best massaman curry that I've had. Period. There's a place in Seattle that might come in, you know, a close second, but uh, it, it it does not touch Thai nine. So if you haven't been to Dayton, if you haven't been to Thai nine, go check it out. You're gonna absolutely love it. Well, and we're also on a coffee tour when we're on tour.
0: And so, so we, we try to find our favorite coffee shop in, in the town. Um, and there's a new one that's new to me, a Collective Espresso. Yeah, it's here in Cincinnati. Uh, there's one in over the Rhine, and uh, I think they have one other location as well. And I would encourage you to check it, check it out. Just uh, really well done, really intentional. And uh, give them a shot if you get a, if you get a chance. Real quick, uh, moving on to, to right here, right now. Let's talk about what's going on in the lives of the Minimalists. Well, Ryan and I are on the road right now. If you're listening to this at home... Uh, We're hitting 40 cities this year, about four cities at a time, and so we'll be all over North America, U.S., and Canada. You can find all the cities, the dates over at lessisnow.com. Also, Ryan and I are in the middle of building a a podcast studio and film studio together, and uh, this is is usually the part where we talk about all of our advertisers, right? (laughs) I heard an advertisement suck. Uh, Here's the truth. You hear about 5,000 advertisements a day or see or experience 5,000 advertisements a day, and I don't want this to be 5,001, right? So, Ryan and I aren't going to be up here talking about food delivery services or mattress companies or whatever you hear on uh, underwear. Sweat-wicking underwear is, is the one that I've heard a lot on podcasts recently. It's it's not my judgment of, of other podcasts. It just doesn't align with, with our values. I, there's our alarm. Um, but uh, it, well, here's what I'll tell you. We, are, we do need some help because we don't make any money from the podcast other than what you all contribute. So if you're interested in helping us build this podcast studio and film studio, we're going to do a lot more interesting stuff with the podcast. We want to do shorter versions of the podcast, longer versions. We want to do um, interviews, episodes, just all of these different things that we can't do right now. We also want to improve the audio quality, but most important, we want to start doing more video stuff. Uh, The documentary resonated with so many people. We found that that medium, that, that using video is a great way to go. So if we can do video interviews and video essays and live streams, That all costs some money for us to do it. So if you're willing to to donate a dollar or two per episode, that will help us out a lot. You can just go to theminimalists.com, click on the Donate button there at the top. Uh, We set up something called a Patreon page. It allows you to donate on a per-episode basis. And by the way, none of that money goes to me or Ryan. Uh, 100% of that will be used for the podcast studio. Also to pay our producer, Podcast Sean, who's somewhere in the back. Ladies and gentlemen, Podcast Sean. He is in the shadows, as as usual. He is a man of many hats. He is our tour manager. He's our podcast producer. He runs our operations. And he's an all-around outstanding guy. And we're really grateful for you being here tonight, Sean, and helping out. But also, that helps us pay him a full-time living wage, which he and his three kids are really happy about. Uh, So we can continue to do that. Also, we want to hire a full-time filmmaker to do a lot more important video creation. So if you're willing to help out, TheMinimalists.com, click on the Donate button. You'll find all the information over there. And, um, oh yeah, I want to thank Bogarts for having us here tonight. Thank you, Bogarts. If you're listening to this at home and you have a comment or a tip for anyone who asks us a question today, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And before we leave here, I want to thank one other person, and that person is you. You know, you spent some money to get in here, and we certainly appreciate that. It allows us to do some pretty cool stuff, like pay all, all of the venue folks here, and um, it also you gave up you gave up more than your money though you gave up your two most precious resources your time and your attention and you could have spent that time and attention anywhere else and you chose to spend that with us and i'm certainly honored i know ryan is as well and so if you leave here with one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for your time y'all
6: Good morning, minimalists. Um, This is Irene from San Diego. And this is in response to Megan from Minneapolis's question about um, being in sales and also still aligning with her values of being a minimalist. I say, if you love selling, apply to a company whose corporate values align with minimalism I know that Patagonia has um, and I'm not, I don't work for Patagonia by the way <laughs> I'm not in any way um, connected with Patagonia but I do know that they have a corporate responsibility um, that is aligned with mine where they know the impact of their products and they um encourage people to recycle their clothing. And they also make clothing that is meant to last for a really long time. And so there are, I would say for those of you who are in sales and are looking to keep the current trajectory of your career, um, look up those companies that are aligned with your values. Because they do exist increasingly so.
9: Hi, my name's Karen. I'm calling from Hertfordshire in the UK. I'm calling with some tips today for anyone who's been through bereavement recently. It's a tough thing to go through and you sort of still have to deal with all the objects that are left behind and that's been quite a difficult process for me. Number one tip is remembering that the love is not in the objects. The love you have for that person is not in the objects. And that's a, a thing that I've heard before on the podcast, but it's been my little motto for dealing with this. My, my father passed away in January, and I've had a lot of objects and things to go through of his. So I've just been saying that over and over to myself, and it's been very, very helpful. My love for him is in the things I did for him when he was alive, the times I told him I loved him, and in my memories that I carry with me for the rest of my life. Number two, and this wouldn't be for everyone, is that I've chosen to make a memory bear out of some of his old clothing. You can just find online, if you Google memory bear, there's lots of different companies. I've gone with one in the UK called Lily's Love that I found on Facebook. But not just for bereaved people's clothing, also they can make wedding dresses, bears out of wedding dresses, bears out of old babies' clothing. So if your children have grown up, it's another good thing that you could think about doing with the clothes. The third thing is just remembering that the greatest object my parents could bequeath me is me, my flesh, my blood. They chose to raise me. And that's an amazing gift, the gift of life. And it's really important that I hang on to that. I was a surprise baby, so they didn't have to have me, but they carried on. And I know parents aren't always brilliant. They don't always make the best choices, but they chose to try. They chose to try and raise me well. And I know that I only honor that gift if I spend the time now looking after myself as I live my life, rather than fretting over some old crockery or CD's.
8: Hi, I'm Kathleen, and I'm from Prince Edward Island, Canada. And I was looking at my bookshelf recently, and there's a lot of books on there that I haven't even read. And there's a good amount that I have read, but I just, they're so like meaningful to me, and I've learned so much from them, and I really just can't, you know, give them up. So I was thinking, I'm actually a multitasker, like on most days. So, when I come home from work, I usually need to be on the go, you know, like doing the dishes or taking my dog for a walk. And while I'm doing these tasks, I always like to have a story in my ears, like listening to a podcast or an audiobook. So, it got me thinking what you could do if you're having a hard time parting with books. Maybe try to find the audiobook version of the physical book that you have. And that way you can have that book with you on your phone or tablet or whatever. And you can access it whenever you like. And then you won't have the physical book um, in your space. You can free up that space. And another idea would be... To get the ebook version of the physical book that you have. So, if you can try to find that, and that way um, it might be easier for you to part with the books that you're having such a hard time with letting go.
1: Every little thing you think that you need. got a grab, oh I bet that you will be fine without it, so tear your eyes away, or tear your eyes